It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Wednesday, November 30th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. After a two-year campaign, California now has the most expansive record-clearing law in the country. What does this mean for hundreds of thousands of the state's nonviolent offenders? The California Report has the details up ahead. Then, we've got your winter storm weather forecast covered. Before Sierra Roots Cold Weather Shelter Volunteer Coordinator Alice Johnson and Director of Housing and Child Support Services for Nevada County Mike Dent, fill us in on local cold weather shelters. Hear what's in store for Nevada City this December as KVMR's Felton Pruitt brings you the latest Chamber Report. This is the California Report. I'm Mari Bolaños in San Francisco. Some of the striking UC grad student workers have reached a deal, but the strike continues for now. Neil Sweeney, president of United Auto Workers Local 5810, which represents the two bargaining units involved, says the tentative five-year deal is historic and addresses their key concerns. Including wage increases that reflect the cost of living, significant improvements in equity at the university, in family-friendly benefits, in job security, in addressing climate change, and a number of other key areas that were among our priorities. But he says there are still two groups that have not yet come to an agreement with the UC. We're calling on the university to seriously come to the table, make serious proposals to academic student employees and student researchers who are still bargaining, and uh, to make so they can reach fair agreements to recognize the contributions that our colleagues make. Sweeney says the two groups he represents will remain on strike in solidarity until their contract is ratified. In a statement, UC officials said the terms of the agreement, quote, uphold our tradition of supporting these employees with compensation and benefit packages that are among the best in the country. Come next year, hundreds of thousands of Californians convicted of nonviolent crimes will be able to seal their criminal records under a law passed a few months ago. The New York Times reported this week it will be the most expansive record-clearing law in the country. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lagos has been covering the two-year campaign to get this legislation on the books. Advocates really do hope to build off it elsewhere. There's an estimated 70 million people in the United States who have these records and are prevented from getting a job, which is kind of obvious, but also things like volunteering, coaching Little League, uh, getting financial aid for college if you get in, accessing food stamps and other social services. The law only applies to people who committed nonviolent and non-sexual offenses. And the records are still available to law enforcement or prospective employers in some fields, such as education. New reporting from CalMatters finds that Cal Poly San Luis Obispo enrolls the smallest percentage of Black undergraduates at any CSU or UC school. Just 146 Black undergraduate students enrolled this fall. CalMatters reporter Michael Zinstein did a deep dive into the numbers. But what we felt was most compelling was hearing how these low numbers impact the few Black students on Cal Poly's campus. So let's get into specifics. These students um, that I spoke to have experienced overt racism. They've been called the N-word with a hard R by, by white peers on campus or campus events. Other examples were sort of the difficulty of being 
the only black person in your class, which happens often for these students that I spoke to. And, you know, mathematically, that makes sense when you only have 146 black students out of 21,000 undergraduates. So it's just this pressure to be a spokesperson for the entirety of blackness and, and, you know, the black U.S. population. These students described having to be that spokesperson. And that just, you know, weighs on the students. They talked about having to do this, like, juggling of considering their emotions of where the conversation is going. If, you know, if it's a class discussion about, you know, race and identity and and politics. So they're thinking about how they personally respond to something. They're also thinking about how all eyes are on them and how are they supposed to respond to being stared at. It's an added amount of labor that these students have to do um, when they're the only ones in their class who are Black. And then there's just this, like, suspicion that they will be confronted by overt acts of racism. One student told me he's a freshman. He doesn't go out. He's sort of quiet by nature, but he doesn't want to party because he doesn't want to endure um, the racism that he's heard his peers experience. And what are they doing to find support in dealing with this? They support each other. Um, So, you know, several students said that uh, if it weren't for the camaraderie and tightly knit community that the Black students have have established on campus, they would have transferred. They would have left. And, you know, I quote one student in the article saying, the reason why Cal Poly has the Black students that it does have is because of the work of Black students. And that was a powerful statement. It's, it you know, from the perspective of students, they are doing the work to support each other, to retain each other. Mm-hmm. And what kind of responses have you gotten on the story from the school's leadership or anyone else? I did ask for interviews with the administration, and I was turned down um, several times. Instead, I got two lengthy emailed written responses totaling 1,800 words. And so it the responses tracked the various initiatives and efforts that the campus has undergone to attract Black students um, I should say that the students who described their experiences with bias did not report those in large part because they didn't trust the university to to act in a meaningful way. And then, so that's what the university is doing, and they listed a lot, and the, and the article gets into a lot of um, what they've been trying to do for, uh, really, since 1994. Um, there's this link on, on the campus website about their efforts to improve, you know, diversity and belonging. But Again, the data shows these gaps. The data shows that, you know, for for 10 or 20 years, depending on which data point you look at, Cal Poly has struggled to retain and attract uh, Black students. That was Cal Matters reporter Michael Zinstein, who has been looking at Black student enrollment at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo and across the CSU system. You can read more at calmatters.org. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at Irvine.org. Paint Care, now with 834 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, 
Action's philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute. Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration on the web at schmidtocean.org. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, November 30th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Let's take a look at today's local news. Nevada County Cannabis Alliance starts their online educational series this Thursday, December 1st. The Get Legit Education Series aims to provide resources and support to small cannabis farm operators, with a focus on cultivating sustainable businesses that can keep up with the California cannabis market and remain compliant with current laws and regulations. The first classes in the webinar series, which is free and open to the public, will focus on profit and loss, basic bookkeeping, and cash flow. Future courses in the series will deal with employee management and Nevada County's cannabis ordinances. Quote, Our local cannabis businesses are small businesses just like any other industry. The stigma around cannabis still persists greatly. Cannabis has always been a critical aspect to our local economy and is equally important for the future of our regional economic stability, says Maggie Phillipsborn, Director of Membership and Education with the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance. Visit nccannabisalliance.org for more information on the Nevada County Cannabis Alliance and its Get Legit educational series. This reported by the Union of Grass Valley. Turning our attention to your forecast from the National Weather Service. With two storms on this week's horizon, Caltrans warns drivers that chain controls and additional travel time should be expected. Snow in the Sierra will begin tonight into Thursday, and by Sunday evening, a total of 2 to 3 feet is expected over Echo Summit on Highway 50, and 4 to 5 feet of snow is possible over Donner Summit on I-80. Caltrans reminds drivers that speed limits during chain controls are reduced to 30 miles per hour on I-80 and 25 miles per hour on Highway 50. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers starting after 1 a.m. with periods of heavy rain. Possible gusts up to 37 miles per hour with temperatures around 39 degrees. Chance of precipitation is 90%. Thursday, rain showers before 4 p.m., then a chance of snow showers. Temperature may rise to 39 degrees by 8 a.m., but fall to 35 degrees for the remainder of the day. Breezy with winds between 19 and 24 miles per hour and gusts as high as 33 miles per hour. 100% chance of precipitation tomorrow with new snow accumulation of less than half an inch. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, increasing clouds with a low around 24, and snow mainly after 1 a.m., possible new snow accumulation of 2 to 4 inches. Thursday, heavy snow throughout the day, with a high near 34, with possible new snow accumulation of 9 to 13 inches. The National Weather Service has issued a winter storm warning for the Tahoe-Truckee area, in effect from 10 p.m. this evening to 10 a.m. Friday. Heavy snow is expected, with total snow accumulations of 10 to 20 inches. Winds up to 45 miles per hour, with gusts above 100 miles per hour over Sierra ridges. Travel will be very difficult, with hazardous conditions impacting the morning and evening commutes. The heaviest snowfall rates are anticipated on Thursday and could reach 3 inches per hour. 
The Sierra Avalanche Center in Truckee has issued a backcountry avalanche watch for Reno and the Greater Lake Tahoe area, specifically Central Sierra Nevada Mountains between Yuba Pass on Highway 49 and Ebbets Pass on Highway 4. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, showers mainly after midnight and a low around 45. Thursday, 100% chance of precipitation, with showers mainly before 1 p.m. and a high near 51. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. With temperatures dipping and winter storms in our immediate forecast, KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza spoke with Mike Dent, Director of Housing and Child Support Services for Nevada County, and Alice Johnson, Sierra Roots Cold Weather Shelter Volunteer Coordinator, to find out the latest on local cold weather shelters activated by the impending extreme weather. I asked Mike Dent, Director of Housing and Child Support Services for Nevada County, to explain how the county's shelter activation protocol works. The parameters are pretty specific. Uh, I know some, some people in the community would maybe think, hey, we need to open anytime it's below 40, or why are you opening when it's 30 degrees? That's not cold. But throughout the years, we've decided that this is a good point where if it's 30 degrees or colder for five hours or more overnight, we should try to provide a place for people that don't have a house to be warm and get some food. So once again, you know, it's winter season. We got a a winter storm warning up and down to 2,000 feet. And uh, we're looking at the forecast from the National Weather Service, which is the source we make our decision to open off of. And uh, tomorrow night, it's going to be cold. It's going to be about seven hours below 30 degrees or at 30 degrees. The shelter is a result of an ongoing partnership between the County of Nevada and Sierra Roots. Here's Alice Johnson. We take a grassroots relationship-based approach as we work with homeless people. We are acknowledging the dignity of the homeless person and trying to nurture the connections within the community so that isolation is reduced and uh, well-being is promoted. Uh, So we listen to and collaborate with homeless people. We've been serving lunches for many years on a weekly basis where we also provide uh, free clothing and supplies, um, lots of different things, as well as the lunch. So Nevada County stepped up into the process of seeing that in order to make the uh, shelter really a viable situation that could go on, that could expand, uh, provided um, some funding, actually a considerable amount of funding for the paid staff. So It's actually a combination of both paid staff and volunteers who do the shelter. Some of the overnight positions are very difficult to fill on a volunteer basis, knowing that a lot of our volunteers might be seniors or have other jobs and they can't necessarily do an awake overnight shift. So Nevada County provides good amount of funding for paying for staffing for those kinds of positions. And then we supplement it with volunteers and with donated food and clothing. And and, um, it's a good partnership. It works out very well with our experience of working with chronically homeless people and the county's um, strength in terms of supporting us, uh, not only with the funding, but also with the home team services, um, the county veteran services offices, where we know that we can connect people additionally to um, services beyond that night's shelter. 
Nevada County's Homeless Outreach and Medical Engagement Team will be there to help, as well as Hospitality House's Homeless Access Transportation Team. It's kind of an all-hands-on-deck. When we open the shelter, we also see that as a golden moment. Besides outreaching services provided by Sierra Roots, uh, the home team will also be there. We'll have a, uh, the public health nurse that's assigned to the home team will be there for the first few hours, checking on people, seeing how they're doing, if they're sick, if they need anything. Um, and then also we'll have the hospitality house fan available. Uh, they coordinate any rides up to the facility. They also help get folks to where they need to be when the facility closes at 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the morning. The next morning, it's not a 24-hour shelter. It's just for the night. To get people out of the weather. Um, so our plans are to close at 7.30 each morning, which would be Friday morning and Saturday mornings. The temporary shelter is considered a low barrier shelter. We don't turn away people at the door if they appear to be intoxicated. We don't do a drug test or a, an alcohol screening. We do require that no drugs or alcohol be used on the site, and we uh, do a search of the bags that they bring in. We require that everyone agree to a set of rules. They're pretty simple and basic rules about getting along with people and understanding that they can't come and go, that once they've checked into the shelter, they can go outside for a smoke break once an hour with a security person, but it's not an open flow in and flow out kind of a situation. It's it's very basic, simple things that they need to agree to, or it's just not going to work for the person to stay there if, if they feel they can't agree to those. Unfortunately, we are only able to provide that temporary shelter uh, for people who are 18 or over. If a family were to come in with us, we would connect up with county social services and try to see what other kind of help might be provided. But we can only assist individuals or families if they're all over 18. The temporary cold weather shelter will open at 4.30 p.m. on Thursday and Friday at the lower level of the Nevada City Veterans Hall, 415 North Pine Street in Nevada City, and will accept guests until 8 p.m. It'll close every morning at 7.30. Anyone experiencing a housing crisis can gain further referral assistance for shelter, food, health care, and other services by dialing 211 or one 844 3194119 in order to speak with a local 211 connecting point specialist. For KVMR News, I'm Claudio Mendoza. KVMR's Felton Pruitt has all the intel you need on Nevada City's holiday events. That's up ahead in the latest installment of the Nevada City Chamber Report. We're talking with Stuart Baker. He's the director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. We have December upon us, almost and a big thing called Victorian Christmas happening in our town soon. Tell us all about it. Thanks, Felton. Yeah, it's that time of year. Uh, We are full of anticipation for this year's Victorian Christmas, which will happen on Wednesdays, December 7th and 14th from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and on Sundays from 11.30 to 6 on December 4th, 11th, and 18th. So this year, we're happy to announce no generators in the main part of the festival. That's something that we've been hoping to do for a while. We were able to work out a deal to get our vendors electric power at wholesale for those specific generators. So that's super exciting. 
also in the reimagined commercial street, we're also having a, a row of micro vendors that, that have a smaller footprint and will offer a nice, interesting variety of things there. As usual, we'll have our chestnut roaster, and we just got in a bunch of bushels of, of fresh chestnuts, so we're excited about that. And this year, we have the most vendors we've ever seen, which is super exciting, over 120. So uh, that's for Victorian Christmas. The Christmas tree is already up in Robinson Plaza, and it's looking really very dapper. We're also going to be having Hanukkah on the 20th of December, and there will be a menorah also in Robinson Plaza. And that event is from 5 to 7 p.m. And again, on Tuesday, December 20th. The farmer's market is happening in its usual spot until the 17th of December. And that's every Saturday from 8.30 to 1 p.m. And a couple of other events in town. Scrooge is playing at the Nevada Theater. And there's a whole bunch of showtimes for that. So if you're interested, just go to their website and see which night works best for you. On December 11th at the Minos Foundry, there's the annual holiday craft fair. And uh, directly before that, from the 8th through the 10th, there's going to be Clara and the Nutcracker. And lastly, on the 21st of December, there is a Christmas memory, a play written by Truman Capote. So um, that's all on tap for Where Nevada will that be State. happening? That's all at the Miners Foundry, those last three items. That's what we've got on tap. It's a very busy December in Nevada City, and we're looking forward to having a really beautiful um, end of the year here. Will there be music at the uh, Victorian Christmas? Absolutely. Probably on every street corner we have, and also on our website at nevadacitychamber.com. You'll also get to see the uh, the times, etc. There will be a shuttle bus as usual. From the Root Center? From the Root Center, that is correct, Felton. And yes, there'll be music on every street corner. Um, they'll be all clad in Victorian attire. And yeah, that'll be adding to the fun festivities. And as well, there'll be a, uh, the craft fair is starting up again at the United Methodist Church at the top of Broad Street. So that's something else to look into because they haven't had it since before the pandemic. So once again, super exciting for that. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. When you come by and check out the Christmas tree in Robinson Plaza, don't forget the chamber is selling seized candy like they always have and also all sorts of Nevada City memorabilia. For more information, people would go to what website or call what number? All right. The website is nevadacitychamber.com and our phone number is 530-265-2692. We've been talking with Stuart Baker, the director of the Nevada City Chamber of Commerce. Thanks, Stuart. Thank you, Felton, and have a great holiday season. That's our newscast for this November 30th. Visit us online at kvmr.org and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and... Ubidox Urgent Care, since 2000, providing walk-in medical and urgent care, accepting most insurance, open 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, Saturdays and holidays, located in the Fowler Center, Grass Valley, ubidox.com, and 
Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners. Carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. Serving Northern California counties and San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Join us Thursday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.